Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The weeks, they're more exciting <laughs> with each passing week. Uh, tr- Trump keeps us aroused, glued to the news. I get sick of hearing about him. And yet, at the same time, what's going on is very interesting from a political perspective. Uh, a little Trump to start the show tonight. This book that Michael Wolf wrote, Fire and Fury, it's a bestseller. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It had to go on the market uh, three days before it was supposed to hit. Everyone's buying it. Uh, and it's strange. It's in paperback. It's not even hardbound. No one expected this book to sell like this. I'm happy for Michael Wolf. Uh, it's just big. It's big. Now, apparently there are a lot of mistakes in it. I don't know. But no one's really taking them on uh, from what I call the legitimate press, except for uh, those people who backed him, who backed Trump. So he has a rebuttal. And uh, his rebuttal started on the Sunday TV shows on CNN, the talk show Sunday morning. And representing Trump's interest was uh, Stephen Miller. Now, who is Stephen Miller? I'm sure you already know. Stephen Miller is a special advisor to uh, the president. He's part of the White House staff. He's one of the people close to the president. He was his chief speechwriter during the campaign. Uh, he continues to write and advise the president. Uh, I don't like Stephen Miller. I think he's bad for Trump and he's bad for the country. Uh, he reminds me, and I'm going to say this openly and bluntly, of Joseph Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels worked for Adolf Hitler. He was his propagandist, his chief propagandist. He's the man who said, you know, you tell a lie and you keep telling the lie, and eventually everyone believes it. <clears throat> sort of like Donald Trump does. He continues to say, speak lies. Uh, when he was being interviewed on CNN, he, he was a bad, bad, bad guest. He was non-responsive. He was there to make statements. He was making them, and he was not responsive one iota at all to the questions being presented to him. So finally, the interviewer just cut him off. He says, fine, you don't want to answer my questions? Fine. This portion of the show is over. They said afterwards, uh, Miller apparently was belligerent or upset, so much so that he had to be escorted out of the building. Interesting, isn't it? Now, Trump, let me tell you, I, I buy most of the stuff that's been reported in Wolf's book. I haven't read it, but we all have heard enough about it. Our president is mentally unstable. I said this when he was running for president. I said this in the primaries. I started saying the man does not evidence the mental stability. He's out there trying to destroy the FBI now because they're the ones that ultimately will nail him if there's anything to this Russian investigation. And you don't, it, it's, it's like spitting on God. You don't go after the good and the virtuous and try to blaspheme them and blacken them to save your ass. He wants to prosecute Hillary, throw her in jail. 
my God, we're not a banana republic. We're not a totalitarian state. It's banana republics and totalitarian states that throw their political opponents, adversaries in jail. All right? None of this is right. None of this is bright. And it's giving us a very bad image worldwide. Trump in general is giving us a bad image worldwide with all the things he has been doing. Now let me move over to Jared, I'm sorry, Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, to show you the nature of the people we're dealing with, to show you the nature of Trump, his children, his son-in-law. They're all birds of a feather, and they have flocked together. Now here's the story. He's the son-in-law. He is a senior White House advisor. He's an official staff member at the White House, a senior White House advisor. His job is to influence the United States Middle East policy, especially involving Israel. Influence the United States Middle East policy, especially where Israel is concerned. His real estate company, now let me say, Jared may only be 35 years old. This guy's swinging in big deals. He bought 666, a big building in New York City, for $1.8 million a couple of years ago. That's big. And they said he overpaid it by a billion dollars. I don't know. Uh, but he's probably got three, four hundred, five hundred million million of real estate otherwise in New York and New Jersey. Uh Now, before he accompanied Trump on a trip to Israel is when his real estate company received a $30 million investment. Follow me. Jared Kushner's real estate company received a $30 million investment from Menorah Financial, a company in Israel, which is one of Israel's largest financial institutions. You know, he's going over with his father to Israel uh, to play kissy-kissy with Netanyahu and everybody else over there, which they've been doing and continue to do to an extreme. And he personally got a $30 million investment in his real estate company before he even left from this bank, financial institution, a very big one in Israel. This just came out. Trump's been president almost a year. This just came out, this information. Jared's got problems in this investigation. I'm laughing, smiling. I, I'm, I, don't, I feel sorry for him, but I don't. The kid had to be stupid, and he got in this trouble because he is a kid. That's the problem. Uh, now, I want to talk about the middle class in this country. We know the middle class is taking a beating. Uh, A recent study came out, and they referred to the middle class. The median family in the United States, the median family in the United States, and so we're into the middle class when we refer to a family as the median family. The stock market is soaring, okay, to new heights almost every day. Never been higher. You hear Donald Trump telling you the market's never been higher. Well, If you 
read the numbers and read the articles, the only ones who are benefiting from this are less than 1% of the American public, that very, very, very extremely rich group. They got the dough to put into the market. 83% of the investments in the market come from the top 5% of the people with money in this country. So medium family doesn't have money in there. They may have their 401ks in there, and they are benefiting by the market soaring up. But that won't continue if the market goes down. So let me show you some numbers which indicate to me at least that at some point this market's going to go bust this year or next year. Uh, this study said that the net worth of the median family, okay, is below the level it was in 1989. In other words, it's less than it was in 1989, the net worth of the median family. It's the worst it's the worst since 1962. Now, there are some very sobering statistics. Follow me. Uh, they are simple. Uh, more Americans have more debt than money in the savings bank since 1962. Makes sense. Think about yourself. More Americans have more debt bills to pay than they have money in the bank and this the last time uh it was this bed was 1962 okay 30 percent of united states families had negative net worth 30 percent of united states families have negative cash uh, net worth and this is despite the fact that we have this the this great bull market, this great uh, stock market soaring to the skies, uh, and we had the housing markets going crazy and has been going crazy, doing very well. Yet 30% of the United States families don't even have a positive net worth. The median net worth, as I indicated earlier, is below the 1989 level. Now, to put it in numbers, the median family net worth in 1989 was $120,000. That's what the average family was worth. A lot of money in 89, $120,000. In 2016, the median family net worth was $78,000. $78,000. So that itself is $42,000 less than it was in 1989. But what makes it even worse and stay with me, $78,000 in 2016 or $78,000 today is not worth what it was in 1989. $78,000 in 1989 bought you a hell of a lot more than you can buy today with $78,000. So things aren't good except for the people at the very top, that 1% we're always talking about. And a society cannot survive with an economy that grows that way. Everyone must benefit from a growing economy. Everyone must sit at the table and eat. That's how I put it. Everyone must be invited to and must sit at that table and benefit when the economy is good. No one's benefiting but the 1%. Now, let me tell you about the stock market. I am not an economist. I am not a stock market expert, but I know this. I am 82 years old, and I have lived through several recessions. I was an investor. I made some money. I lost some money. 
But just the fact that I've been around 82 years, most of uh, those years as an adult, most of those years with a dollar or two, I've seen the economy get very big. The market go high and then the market go low. Because I will tell you, I will tell you, that what goes up must come down. It always happens. What goes up comes down. And a market that goes crazy, like the market we have right now, that's been going up and up for over a year, and it just keeps going up every day. It's impossible. The economy can't be that great. At some point, adjusts itself. It regurgitates all by itself. All of a sudden, the market says, I'm too big. And all of a sudden, the market goes down. And when the market goes down, it goes down hundreds of points every day for several days. And all of a sudden, if you were worth $10 million, now you're worth about $3 million. You know, And if you were worth 500000 now you're worth 150000 That's how bad it is, okay? You lose your shirt. And that's what's going to happen. Uh, it's called an adjustment. And the market adjusts itself. It just ha I've seen this so many times happen, and people will say why. Uh, they can't understand it because I always got out of the market. I want to tell you this now before it went down. I was happy to make a profit and get my ass out rather than be a pig and stay in because I was so smart I was going to make more money. It never happens. All right? And so I see the market coming down by the end of this year or into next year. Kumbaya! It was party day, happy day today in a room in the White House. Some of you may have observed the scenario on television. The president met with representatives of the Republican and Democratic parties, and this was a meeting where they were going to get together and pass legislation uh, the legislation for the, uh, was it DACA, Dan, whatever it is, the young people who are here that are going to get thrown out of the country soon if we don't do something. And also at the same time, we've got to have some compromises. The president says, I've got to have my wall. you got to have those kids stay. And we're going to do something. Each side has to give. And the Republicans said, we want to work with you fellas to the Democrats. And some of the Democrats said, oh, this is wonderful. Uh, <laughs> these are snakes in the grass. I wouldn't trust any of these Republicans. But anyhow, I think what happened is this. What they're saying sounds good. I don't know if it's going to work. I would hope it does work, but I don't know. Because the Republicans, if you recall, this past weekend were all at Camp David. The president was at Camp David, all the big Republicans. And they probably sat down and say, hey, things aren't good right now. Uh, we've got an election coming up in November, and we're going to lose a lot of seats in the House and in the Senate. We could very, lose, very well lose control of both houses of Congress. They probably are. <clears throat> so they said, we've got to remedy the situation. We're going to go back, sit down with the Rep Democrats, and say, hey, fellas, the bullshit's over. We're all going to work together. I didn't trust you. You didn't trust me. This was the tenor of the conversation today. But we're going to do it now. Well, and Trump's sitting in the middle of all this saying, yeah, I'm for this, I'm for that. I'll do whatever you guys say I should do. 
but he doesn't know what the hell's going on. He knows he's got to take care of immigration to satisfy these people. He know what he knows what the Democrats have to do with regard to these kids who are going to be booted out, and uh, he's agreeing to everything. And I could see his Republican cohorts were interrupting, say, "Oh no, you don't mean that, President, when you say this," because he doesn't understand what the words are. He doesn't understand what these legislators are speaking because he doesn't know how to help governments run. Anyhow. They they made, they took their shot today. I'm sure the Democrats are going to try. I don't know if it's going to work. We have to balance the budget also within two weeks. This is all part of this. Or the government shuts down. We run our government in a very stupid way. It wasn't always like this. Uh, it's all, it all started when Newt Gingrich got elected. He taught everyone to hate on the Republican side. Bad man. Uh, Republicans have the power today. They control... And uh, I don't think it can work because of the Republicans in Congress. 30% of the Congress are far to the right. They're the nuts out there, the ultra-conservatives that are against everything. They're arbitrary and hard-ass. That's why John Boehner had to get the hell out. He couldn't get Congress to do anything. And the present speaker isn't getting anything done, really, that should be done. So it was kumbaya today. I don't know what's going to happen in the next three weeks. It's going to be very interesting. Let me tell you about Trump and Pakistan, because these stories never come out. I can't understand why someone, even on the the news shows that tend to be Democratic, like MSNBC, they don't put the facts together and say, B happened because of A, then came C, and as a result of that came D. Nobody goes more than two steps. Is everyone limited their mentality? Trump and Pakistan, this happened last week. If you recall last week, Trump said, we're giving all this aid, billions of dollars a year to Pakistan. In spite of legislation, we're giving them the money. He says, I'm cutting it off immediately. I want a new law passed permitting me to cut it off, but in the meantime, I'm not going to send them any more money. And do you know why? Because there are too many terrorists uh, running wild in Pakistan, and they are not controlling the terrorist situation. So say it, Trump. And he says, to show you that I'm going to do good with this money, the money I'm going to not be given to Pakistan, I'm going to take and put it into our infrastructure to, make, to, to, to build highways and bridges for the people of this country. Isn't he a wonderful man? He's going to move money. You, can't, you don't move money around like this, by the way, in government. You've got to document everything. But that's how he sees it. All right. Now, what really happened is this. He doesn't like Pakistan. Pakistan ain't playing ball with the United States. Pakistan's not a poor country. I don't know why we send them any money at all. We probably have been doing it for years to buy their 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 friendship. We do this, by the way. We send money to a lot of countries, so they're our friends. They want to get that check every year. And uh, what happened is this. It has to do with China. Now, China... They want, they're getting big. They're getting bigger not by the year, not by the month. They're getting bigger by the day worldwide. China built a naval base early in last year, 2017. Uh, it was 
a military-based, naval base in Pakistan. They had the ribbon-cutting ceremony on July 1st, 2017, in a place, I may be pronouncing it wrong, called Djibouti, D-J-I-B-O-U-T-I. Now, last week, before Trump came out with this announcement, no more money for you, Pakistan, Pakistan announced that they were going to build, they had made a deal with China for China to build a second naval base. This would be China's base, but they're, they're having, like we have a base in the Philippines for our ships. They're going to have a base, uh, a second base in China for Chinese naval vessels. And they just keep building new naval vessels, the Chinese. And uh, this was just announced last week, and it's going to be built in Gwadar, G-W-A-D-A-R, Gwadar. Trump hears this. The next day he says, Pakistan, no more money because of the terrorists, okay? Uh, well, it ain't because of the terrorists. It's because of what the Chinese are doing. Remember, the Chinese are not playing ball with Trump with regard to North Korea. Trump found out last week that the Chinese, instead of, cutting back and not shipping oil to North Korea is having ship, Chinese ships full of oil go out into the high, the high seas over there and they meet a tanker from North Korea and they fill up the tanker in the middle of the sea so no one will see it instead of on shore, but we saw it somehow and we found out. This all comes into play, all right? Now, now, so Trump says, hey, terrorists, no more money. Uh, it's really that second base, though that second base, and the interesting part of it all, the second base, is that, is what? There's another step to this thing. I'm getting a mental block. This is my age, being 82. Uh, Come on. The second step here, the next step, what the hell is it? I should have notes when I do these shows. Um, I can't remember, so I can't tell you. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. The Chinese want their dollar, the yuan, Y-U-A-N, to control international transactions with regard to oil. The United States has been benefiting from this for years by some agreement made so long ago. And what it does is it has kept over the years the American dollar strong. Because we know if you're, you're dealing in oil, you've got to deal in American dollars. Now, China says, let's stop dealing in American dollars. Deal in our money, the yuan, Y-U-A-N. And so what has happened is the day after Trump cut off money to Pakistan, Pakistan said, up yours, Donald Trump. We are no longer going to deal in the dollar. We're now going to deal in the Chinese yuan. This also happened with Venezuela. Okay, when Trump several months ago said, oh, the people are poor, which is true. Maduro, the president's not taking care of him. I may have to invade Venezuela. So stupid, we're going to invade Venezuela. Well, Maduro said, up yours. A week later, he said, I'm not dealing in the American dollar anymore. I'm dealing in the Chinese yuan. And do you want to know something? They're going to eat at us, the Chinese, with this. And eventually... They're going to cause an economic crisis in this country. It could happen in a year or two because our dollar is no longer being supported internationally by other 
countries. So this is all a result of Donald Trump doing things by shooting from the hip, not understanding there are other ramifications that occur. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He puts his foot in his mouth to the detriment of our country. The demonstrations in Iran, uh, they're different today. There were demonstrations several years ago, and it was the middle class, the workers. Uh, I'm not worker workers. These were the college graduates who couldn't get decent jobs. Those under 35, they bust their ass, they go to school, and now they can't get a job. And if they get a job, it's like working at a McDonald's, okay? They can't make the money they should make based on their investment in their education. These demonstrations today are by the workers themselves, the non-educated. So now you got two groups in Iran pissed off at the government. And they've had demonstrations in several cities. The only reason I'm raising this tonight is that this is a perfect example that the mighty can fall. Even the mighty can fall. Because Iran's a strong country. We're sanctioning them and everything, but they're a strong, proud country. They're a modern country. Their people are sharp. Their people don't have to dress. Their women don't dress like uh, Muslim women everywhere else. They dress like we do in this country, the ladies. Uh, they're a modern country. And uh, I'm surprised that their, their leaders may be hard-ass clerics, religious people. But this stuff keeps up. They can fall, which means leaders in any country, even this country, can fall. Now, there is a new word in the Oxford Dictionary, came out a couple of weeks ago. The new Oxford Dictionary came out with a new word, and guess what that word is? It's youthquake, earthquake, youthquake. And the definition is, and I quote, a significant significant cultural, political, or social change arising from the actions or influence of young people. People, young people are waking up all over the world. And this past year, 2017, they were especially waking up. There were more turbulent activities, actions, demonstrations, protests by the young than at any other time in history. And this is going to increase because the world today is on its way to belonging to the millennials, the millennials. The baby boomers are adults now. My generation, most are gone except for people like me. Um, And these millennials, it's their time. Now you say, well, you don't have to worry about them. The young people never go and vote with you in this country. Well, let me tell you something. They understand that the government is It's an agency or an entity that helps them to make money. And the government has not been performing to their benefit. So now they understand they have a reason to vote in elections, and they're going to come out strong like they did in the last uh, set of elections a a couple of months ago. So the millennials are coming in, folks, (laughs) and they're going to start controlling in the next four or five years, but they're going to be a significant vote in 2018 and especially in the 2020 presidential election. Which brings me now to millennial young ladies. Uh, Hard for women to make money. Hard for men to make money. Uh, When I talk about young girls, I'm talking about 
college girls and close to college age, up to 25. It's going to sound strange what I'm going to say to you, but after I tell you, when the show's over, go to your computer and Google selling virginity, selling virginity. Millennial ladies are selling their virginity, okay? Big time. What they used to say for their husband, for the marital bed, that first night is now being sold to the highest bidder because these girls, if they're working, they got wage stagnation. They got college debt to pay off. They have living costs. They can't do it. So they go out to make the big dollar in one shot because there are people out there who got crazy money and are willing to spend this kind of money to get her to have sex with a woman who is a virgin. Uh, it's happening right now. There's a woman, a Bailey Gibson, 23 years old. Her, she's on the Internet. She's being auctioned off for her virginity. She's doing it out of a, a, a bunny ranch in Nevada, but she will sell, split the proceeds with the owner, 50-50. Women in the last two years have sold for $3 million, $2.9 million, $2.5 million their virginity. Sounds strange, but there are websites. Go look it up. There are auctions to the highest bidder, et cetera, et cetera. And why did they do it? They're broke, and they're sick of being broke. Okay, that's the show for tonight. Hope you enjoyed uh, Irma and Me, my book. Please, go buy my book, Irma and Me, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Learn about the hurricane firsthand. I'm the only one that wrote a book on the hurricane. And also listen to my Key West Lou live video during the day. Generally interesting. Thank you for joining me this week. I look forward to being with you again next week.